Hi there, I'm Nat Hogue. And I'm Jamie Chesbra. And we are two students at University of the Pacific, and this is The Existentialist Crisis. Over the course of this semester, we will be reading two pieces of Camus' work, and we'll be analyzing it from the existentialist perspective of then and now. We have the past few weeks been reading the first part of The Stranger by Albert Camus. We're going to get into our first theme, and we're going to start talking about absurdity. So Jamie, what is really absurd? Are the things that Mersault does not do absurd, or are the things absurd really the standards that we hold him to? Mm, that's a good point. Well, when I was doing my uh, doing some research on absurdity, um, I was watching the Crash Course video about um, existential philosophy, and they defined absurdity as a search for answers in an answerless world. So I feel like even posing this question is a bit absurd. But um, then maybe the- it is. <laughs> and with the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, they say absurdism is a philosophy based on the belief that the universe is irrational and meaningless, and that the search for order brings the individual into conflict with the universe. So really, Marceau is a conflictless character. Um, and for our podcast listeners, we have read the first part of Camus' The Stranger. We are reading it in French, so any quote that we reference directly from the book will be in French, accompanied with a um, translation. Another quote that I found was philosophyindex.com that defined absurdity as the notion of contrast between two things. I would like to bring up the concept of contrast within this first part of the novel. Um, I think that there's a few key pieces of imagery that are really important when discussing this. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the first one is the imagery of dark clothing um, and the entire scene of his mother's funeral happening on a hot and sunny morning. Um, I think that this is a really interesting point because um, they contrast so well, but where, what Merceau is sitting is really in the middle of these two scenes. He's not actively participating in either, which I think is a common thread throughout the novel. Yeah, he just kind of exists in the present moment but he never fully participates in it, I'd say. Right. Yeah. Another example of that could be um, Marie, his girlfriend, I think we can call her. And she's so carefree and loving and like this perfect feminine image of, you know, light and yielding. And then Merceau uh, is in her shadow, kind of cold and unempathetic, which I think uh, Marie, Marie's character works really well to kind of isolate him as a, you know, unempathetic, unlikable main character. Yeah, she brings some light into his life that is otherwise pretty bleak, I'd say. I agree. Yeah, and then one thing that I will just briefly bring up that we'll probably circle back to later in the podcast is the contrast between um, passionate crime and then cold-blooded crime or crime done for no reason, which is seemingly absurd. Um, I think that this happens a few times um, throughout the novel, especially at the end. Um, there will be spoilers in this podcast. Um, I will warn you. Um, so with Merceau's murder at the end contrasted with, let's say, the beating of Salomano's dog, uh, those are two incredibly different crimes um, and that happen for different reasons, which I think brings out an interesting contrast. Yeah, I feel like Salomano assumes that Merceau loves his mother, even though he put her into asylum. He believes that uh, Marceau did it for the best reason for his mother's um, health. But Salomano expresses that he loves his dog, even though he beats it and doesn't treat it for its mange. So there's a paradox of these characters saying that they are expressing that they care, uh, but they don't seem to care by the actions that they take. 
And I feel like that also relates to another point um, is when I was looking at some of the more philosophical ideas behind the absurd, um, Camus in Sisyphus had written that the absurd is born out of this confrontation between the human need and the unreasonable silence of the world. I feel like it's kind of highlighted in The Stranger when the main character, Marceau, describes the silence of his life on a Sunday afternoon. He used to dedicate Sundays to seeing his mother, but he eventually said that he uh, wanted his Sundays back. But we see his Sunday and he just sits around and eats, smokes a bit while watching people pass by. So it, it's a bit absurd to me that he wanted these Sundays back, but he doesn't really do anything with his Sundays. I agree. I think Camus um, has like a different perspective on this because I think when Webster's Dictionary defines it, they're defining it from a very like today perspective, right? Where the absurd is, you know, the rejection of our society and the rejection of what we would know. Whereas I think Camus is arguing that the absurd is the things we do. The absurd is like the way we fill our days. And like the only true unabsurd thing is to sit around all day on a Sunday. So I think that that's a really co good contrast between the two points of absurdity. Um, and that of course, we have to mention that Kimmy is an existentialist. Um, and existentialist philosophy is something that we will bring up throughout the podcast. And it's something that we're centering a lot of the arguments around both the stranger and the pest, which will be our next book that we will be reading around. I feel like in uh, Camus' honor, we should point out that he did deny the, the title of existentialist uh, thoroughly throughout his life. But regardless, he's still very associated with the philosophy. That is true. Now, entering on to our next point, Jamie, I'm a big Lady Gaga fan. And there was one lyric of music that uh, I was inspired by while reading and preparing for this recording today. And that is Lady Gaga from her Joanne album, Come to Mama, when she says, the only prisons that exist are the ones we put each other in. I would like to thank Lady Gaga for adding to this discussion in that way. And really, um, introducing this point of, is there a human purpose? How do we define humanity? And is anything mandatory? There's a lot of big philosophical questions in there, and I feel like they do get highlighted quite a bit in The Stranger. So with Merriam-Webster again, uh, the definition of humanity was compassionate, sympathetic, or generous behavior or disposition, or the quality of or state of being humane. It seems that Marcel lacks humanity at a lot of points in the book, in the sense of caring for other living beings. Uh, one example I have is that when Salamano is crying over his dog who just got lost, Marcel is thinking about his mom, and Salamano's life seems to have changed dramatically due to the dog being lost, because that's what he kind of centered his existence off of, at least in the book. That's the only thing we really hear about. But Marcel is indifferent to his mom being dead. At the end of the, I believe it was the first chapter, uh, said that his life just kind of continued, like nothing changed really. I agree. Um, I, I think I might find that quote. All right. I am referencing a quote on page 39 for me, but it is the final paragraph of the second chapter. Um, J'ai pensé que c'était toujours un dimanche de tirer, que maman était maintenant enterrée, que j'allais reprendre mon travail et que, sans tout, il n'y avait rien de changé. And uh, with our rough translation, it's saying, I thought that it was like any other Sunday that mom had been buried and that I would return to work all the same and nothing much had changed. 
thank you for that. Now we can continue our discussion. Some more examples I have that kind of highlight uh, Marceau's lack of humanity is when Raymond and Marceau have a tense moment with the two Arab men on the beach when they're by the spring. Raymond hesitates and doesn't shoot the gun. He has a, like a moment of clarity when he was pointing the gun at the man he identified as his type when they had uh, fought before. I feel like in that moment, Raymond feels a sense of shared humanity and he realizes that he shouldn't murder this man. I agree. I agree with you. Um, Yes, and I think that we can relate that to a few paragraphs later where Marceau goes alone with his gun and shoots the man that's Raymond's type, uh, describing the heat and his body's reaction to the heat. It's more well described than the murder he's committing. It's as if Marceau's anguish disappears at the moment that he takes away the man's life. Um, I think that's yeah. a good point. Yeah, I, I kind of relate it back to the funeral in the first chapter where I feel like the, the heat is similarly oppressive like to when he's marching towards a funeral. It's the last time he describes feeling a heat in this way. Like when he's on the beach with Marie, he describes the sun in a pleasant way because he's having a nice moment with Marie. But in uh, this moment on the beach, right before he murders the man, he describes all these very uncomfortable feelings he's having because of the heat. Right. I think that's a good point. I would like to note that um, the contrast between these two scenes, something that we'll be going back to, um, I think that's going to be relevant in just a few minutes when we discuss Marceau's apparent regression as well. Um, but so I would say that it's inhumane for Marceau to kill without purpose. Um, I think Camus is arguing, however, that there is no rule book for humanity and the standards that we hold each other to are fictional and therefore meaningless. And that brings us to our next section, which is purpose and morals. And I feel like existentialism is really defined by the quote from Sartre, which is, existence precedes essence. So at the beginning of the book, we meet Marceau as he exists in, at the point of his mom dying, so we don't really get to know him before this defining moment in his life. And I feel like her death really defines the development of his essence in the first part of the book. And as we see him develop, he's just trying to find meaning in a life that is so meaningless. I would agree. I would counter, however, we don't know if Marceau is finding meaning or if he's treading water um, in the yeah. metaphorical sense. Like I, you know, I think that the scene where he's offered to move to Paris and then he says, no, he just got nothing going on um, in Algeria where the book takes place, but he's really got nothing going on anywhere. Right. And I think that He's just treading water, trying to make it through kind of nothing in sight. Um, and I don't know if he's like searching for meaning. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. Like with uh, the job offer for Paris, he says that he's happy with his life. But reading it, we don't, at least I don't really see a life to be happy with. He just exactly. kind of goes through the motions every day. Right. And a, a similar quote from Sartre is, we are condemned to be free. He says that we each have to design our own moral code because none is prescribed to us. So I feel like that is, it really defines Marceau as a character as well, because he has all this freedom, which he uh, oversteps the bounds a bit by killing someone. And he doesn't really have a moral code. He's a pretty amoral character. I agree. And something that I'm thinking of as I'm reading this book, it's if everyone has their own moral code and everyone has defined for themselves what's right and good, how do we coexist with one another? Because I think that Marceau's 
you know, largest flaw is his inability to coexist um, in society and really coexist with the people that he has relationships with. And I think, you know, how do we manage everybody having their own path, but everybody working together? I think that that's an important point that existentialism doesn't necessarily answer. Yeah, when I was looking at some analyses of the books, um, I read something about moralism and how it seemed like the other characters are trying to push some morals onto him. Um, like Raymond tries to impose his immorality. Marie tries to propose marriage as the way to move forward and that's how to be happy. His boss says you should get this job and have more opportunities, but he just accepts his current existence. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we can kind of move into um, our last point, I believe, and that is the concept of regression. Um, and I did take AP Psych, um, big fan of psych concepts. So I related this back to something I had learned a few years ago called the Kohlberg Moral Development. Um, and it's kind of a hierarchy. And I would like to speak about that a little bit later, but I want to introduce the concepts. Um, so Kohlberg Moral Development states that as a child matures, um, it will throughout time have different reasons and different motivations behind like moral action. Um, so it starts with pre-morality, moves to conventional morality, and then for some graduates to post-conventional morality. And for Kohlberg, it was important to note that not every child and not every human being moves to the point of post-conventional morality. But um, something I'm arguing in this section is that Merceau, from perhaps the point of his mother's death, perhaps from a point that we don't see him at yet, um, is moving back through these development stages in morality. So pre-morality is like very young children do things because they want to avoid immediate punishment. Conventional morality um, moves to laws, following laws, following rules, and then not wanting the disapproval of others. And then post-conventional is because in your heart you believe that something is right versus wrong. I think that Merceau never displays any form of post-conventional morality. So we can start him at conventional morality and then just watch how he moves back throughout the book. I think that's an interesting idea to apply because uh, morality is one of the big points that's talked about in the analysis of the book here. Yeah so then relating back to Marie, a character whom I love so much, um, I would like to bring up the scene where Marie and him, they both witness Raymond assaulting his mistress and then Marie loses her appetite so Merceau is like are you going to eat that? And takes the rest of her food. I think this is really interesting because Merceau throughout the book only really finds joy and satisfaction in like basic urges and like eating and like sleeping and, and like getting out of the heat. And I think that especially towards the very last scene of part one where he's on the beach and he's just overcome with this feeling of being warm <laughs> and the sun being bright. I think that it's very interesting to watch him move back throughout these stages. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, and it's hard to, it can be kind of hard to place him, I'd say, but we can, we have to start him at conventional morality, uh, just assuming that he is a somewhat normal human. Um, and, but we do see him doing these regressions and having these childlike explanations for why he does things. Right. I think one of the best um, examples of this is when he 
um, has to get off work for a few days to go to his mother's funeral. And to his boss, after explaining everything, he adds in, it's not my fault. Um, and that's a classic sign, um, probably teetering on the edge of conventional or pre-conventional morality, where it's, you want to avoid punishment from your superior. And I think from that point on, he just moves further and further back until he really only is motivated by, you know, gratifying his basic urges and then also like avoiding direct punishment. I think in the final scene, he rejects also what he knows is illegal, which means that he's completely moved out of that um, conventional morality phase. Yeah, and I'd say that when he's talking to his boss, I think it might be the authority of his boss and just maybe even the social hierarchy that might throw him off a bit. It might remind him of his mother even saying, it's not my fault, just like he would as a child who's done something bad. So there starts like a part of him starts to regress to an earlier point of morality. I totally agree. And I think um, just to wrap up this podcast episode, um, I think that the, one of the prevailing themes of the entire first part is uh, meaning, purpose, uh, morality, and then also humanity and like how our progression in life can either inform us to be better people or really can force us the other direction and make us worse. So yeah, I think if no one has anything else to add, I think uh, that's where we'll end today's podcast episode. We will invite you to listen to our next episode, which should be um, out on the internet in two to three weeks. We currently do not have any sponsors, but we would like to thank you for listening <laughs> all the same. Um, yeah, au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs>